Welcome to the second series of our podcast, The New Realities of Cybersecurity. I'm your host, Abigail Wilson. Each episode of this podcast will be inviting along some of our colleagues who are each experts in their fields to discuss what they do here and what they're focusing on at the moment in the ever-changing world of cybersecurity. Today's conversation is centered around cyber breaches and why this remains a critical talking point for many of our clients. Our guests today here are Chris McConkie, who leads our Cyber Threat Operations Services, and Hamish Cameron from our crisis team. Today we'll be focusing on answering a core question, why are companies still suffering from breaches? Chris and Hamish, thanks for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little more about um, how you work with clients, either responding to breaches or looking to reduce their exposure to them? If I can start with Chris. Sure thing. Thanks, Abby. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, set of services I look after are, uh, we class them as cyber threat operations, um, but that's basically a set of technical services that helps clients either detect uh, and investigate and respond to breaches or help them actually prepare in advance of them. So they're a little bit more ready um, whenever the, the, I guess, the technical side of breaches happens. And the other side of that, um, partly on the preparatory side of things as well, is actually uh, running a team of ethical hackers that breaks into client networks so that they can figure out where the vulnerabilities are and fix them uh, before the bad guys do. Great, thanks. And Hamish, over to you. Thank you. Hi, Abby. Hi, Chris. Um, so the crisis team, uh, our, our main proposition is uh, to run exercises, scenario exercises with management and executives um, to draw out sort of issues and, and help them sort of manage those issues. Uh, and then when, when, they, when they do have issues, when they do have a breach, um, help them apply some structure. Great, thanks both. So there have been several high-profile examples of cyber breaches in the news recently, often critically impacting businesses. From your recent work with your clients, could you tell us a bit more about any key trends you've observed while working in breach response? Chris, if I can start with you. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so across all of the incidents that we responded to over the last probably 12 or 18 months. Um, we did a little bit of research and tried to pull out some of the key themes um, about what the actual root causes were. And they're generally, it came down to a few pretty obvious things. So there was a lot around uh, sort of legacy IT infrastructure, stuff that had just been really forgotten about. So clients weren't keeping it up to date, they wasn't patched, people had actually in some cases forgotten that systems were even there. So nobody was managing them and as a result the inevitable happened. Somebody found out a way to kind of exploit a vulnerability that hadn't been patched, get in and then start um, kind of moving around the network from there. But there's also a whole lot of other organizational bits and pieces. So the fact that there's actually um, not much focus on, for example, uh, security monitoring, um, and there are blind spots in an organization. So they might actually have great visibility on what's happening in a specific area of the business, but actually much less visibility in others. So if something bad happens there, they can't see it. Um, but the reality is as well, the bad guys are typically getting smarter, they're typically creating new tools to bypass all the latest um, security controls as well. Um, and in many cases, one that whenever they get a foothold in an organization, um, companies don't have the right kind of detective technologies in place to actually figure out that there has been a breach and stop that before it becomes or causes some sort of impact. Great, thanks. And Hamish, are there any key trends or takeaway points you've observed from your recent work? Yeah, so I recently noticed um, clients leaning towards designing scenario-specific plans for their business to follow, not just for their IT teams to follow. Um, and we're, we're sort of seeing in big, complicated organizations, um, designing, implementing sort of tactical teams to support the executives who are not necessarily comfortable with making decisions against a cyber event. 
um, these tactical teams to, um, to take those decisions on their behalf. I guess if I could chip in one thing on that, it's quite similar to one of the things that we've seen probably a few organisations struggle with, and actually the ones that are very well rehearsed in terms of dealing with incidents typically treat this as a little bit of almost like muscle memory, but is the translation between some of the really technical stuff that happens during an incident and malware analysis and network forensics and um, a whole bunch of the, the kind of proper techie stuff through to what a board actually needs to hear and what a crisis and comms team needs to hear about an incident. So if a forensics guy is saying, hey, yeah, we find artifacts of PlugX malware in a domain controller from 2016, what does that actually mean to the business and the exec and what do we tell regulators and what does the ICO need to know? Um, and being able to translate that to something that actually has a meaningful kind of impact um, to the execs, as in we're going to have to take the network offline for three days to do a global password reset across 40,000 users in 30 countries, so we can't trade online for those three days, is actually something the board understands um, rather than the really techie stuff. And that, that layer that you're describing in the middle is sometimes really well placed to make that translation. Yeah, as a almost as a as a bridge between between the IT and the business and and sort of technical and, and strategic. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great point, um, Chris and Hamish. You you look at our clients' challenges through different lenses, the technical and the strategic. Could you each tell me more from each perspective? What do you think the deeper root causes to this are? Why ultimately are so many organizations suffering such a huge fallout from cyber breaches? Um, so I guess if we if we look at any breach, really, there is almost always a time lag between the initial kind of intrusion into a network and when the bad guys get what they came for, i.e. the data they plan to take out of the network, the credit card information and transaction data, whatever it happens to be. And in some cases that can be a year or longer. And in fact, many of the cases we've investigated over the last 12 or 18 months have been longer than a year. So there's this huge window that um, victims have to actually find and stop a breach or intrusion before it becomes a, a crisis effectively, whenever they've lost loads of information, they're having to start telling regulators and so on. And a lot of the, the reason for, I guess, the, the technical side of things not being contained uh, earlier is really a lack of visibility and a lack of control in the environment. So take two really quick things. Um, there is a phenomenal set of guidance from the Australian Signals Directorate called the essential eight, which is basically eight things. They're not all easy to do, but they have a disproportionate impact to an organization's ability to stop bad stuff happening. Um, most of our clients haven't been able to do those eight fully, um, but they're, they're phenomenal and, and actually free um, things that you can do. Um, and then once you've got those eight in place, having a bit of monitoring across the top of it so that you can actually see where things have bypassed those controls that would actually give a lot of clients a huge technical leg up on, on where they are at the minute. Mm -hmm. So those sort of covering the technical failures. Um, Hamish, what would you say about the more management strategic side of that? So in, in addition to the, to the technical piece, um, the fact that these data breaches um, are still classified, sort of self-classified as crises, um, is a really interesting point. Um, so crisis is quite an interesting term itself. Actually, that's a great point. As you work within our crisis team, I had a particular question for you. Sure. Is there a difference between a breach and a crisis? Sure. So um, I would I would suggest that a breach is a a type of a crisis if um, if the company sort of suffering from the breach um, is not adequately prepared 
um, to manage the event with confidence. I think I think that's really important. So we have seen very similar or uh, very sorry very similar types of incidents at different organisations. One organisation has handled it beautifully, and they've rehearsed for it. It's like muscle memory to them; they just take it in their stride. Exactly the same thing at another organisation handled really badly, unprepared for it, and as a result, a huge kind of crisis fallout on it. So I think a lot of this comes down to the prep and rehearsal side of things. Yeah, and particularly the exercising piece is a really useful tool to draw out. So do scenario exercises, talk, talk through them, walk through them, and draw out the issues and challenges so you can fix them during peacetime. Um, and we see, we often see uh, clients invite the regulator to the exercises just to observe. And it's those, those exercises, those clients, um, that build really great relationships with, with the individuals within that regulator. Definitely. So a lack of preparedness really means that a breach can easily turn into a crisis for a client. Yeah, so it comes down to, I guess, perception. Um, it, it all distills down to. And some, some of it to personalities as well. I mean, fascinating. I mean, I've, I've watched some of the stuff that, that you guys have done with clients. And the one thing that is always amusing is whenever you get the executives together who would be involved in a proper crisis um, and seeing which of them have a completely disproportionate impact on the whole decision-making process for how they respond to things. And actually, they never really realize how much of a kind of overbearing influence they have in some parts of the decision-making process until you go through the kind of wash-up with them. And you're like, why did you make this terrible decision? And everyone's like, oh, actually, it was this one person. And they were, we didn't really think that was a bad decision at the time. We just let them go with it. Um, so all of that, like understanding the personalities and the profiles and how people gel together in an incident, uh, massively important. Definitely. And, and looking to the future, if we anticipate that con breaches will continue to remain a risk for our clients, how do they become more proactive and prepare for the worst? Are there steps that they can take to do that? Um, so uh, I think there are some um, simple steps. So Chris has alluded to sort of eight basic steps sort of founded in good practice, um, technically, that clients can, can take. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely thematic findings that we um, we can put our fingers on when we when we um, hold sort of exercises every couple of weeks we sit down with a different executive committee run a similar um, sort of breach scenario worst case breach scenario um, and almost in every instance um, there isn't so to Chris's point the, the team dynamic piece isn't that clear the the person in charge doesn't run the meeting like a crisis meeting they run it just like a standard meeting and everyone shares their, shares their views. And actually you need a character that's um, a, a, a real leader, can control the room and also skilled in sort of uh, listening and distilling down issues and applying this kind of, this facts, understanding the facts, getting onto the issues that arise from the facts and getting onto the actions to deal with the issues and r running it like a crisis. Um, is, is, is really a really simple thing, a little bit of training for, for the right leaders. And it's definitely about having the right skills as well in place. Yeah, so the right personalities. And there's a lot of pre basic pre-work that clients can do. Um, so knowing their data landscape, knowing who their key stakeholders are, who, their, who the regulator contacts are, who their internal sort of relationship owners are, um, and having, particularly in, in the bigger, more complicated organizations, um, a, a essentially a crisis structure so it's clear who who the individual decision makers are at what point they're engaged 
um, and sort of all the other sort of good generic crisis. So having those key responsibilities mapped out in the event that you would need to then initiate them in response to a crisis or, or a breach. Yeah, so for a breach it comes specifically to sort of what are the critical decisions that will need to be made and when and who, who is making those decisions. So just pre, pre-working that piece gives the team confidence. Yeah, and Abby, just like if I rewind 30 seconds, the point you made about the skills bit being important, so yeah, the, the policy and the process behind this stuff is, is important to have documented, but the skills obviously are acquired through practice. Like nobody becomes an expert in handling crises without having practiced it and been through it. So again, like just the experience of working through this with the team that's gonna be involved in it, hugely important. Definitely, this is all about being proactive as well as reactive in the event that you need to. I'm wondering, based on your recent work, do you have any predictions for the future? What do you expect to find working with clients in the future? Um, sure. So uh, I think we'll see uh, that the, the, the role of the CISO, the technical leader, grow in prominence um, and decision-making autonomy, um, given how grey and complicated a cyber event can be. Um, and on the other hand, how clear the regulation is and easy to interpret. Um, I think we'll see breaches continue thematically as, well as a crisis for many, many years to come and only when clients, companies um, sort of devote the necessary exercising, investment, training and, and sort of relationship, internal relationship um, sort of mapping and, and development uh, will they feel comfortable enough to sort of call it breach management and, and not crisis management. I guess two two things from me, if we look at the general trends that, that bad guys are kind of moving in or the direction they're moving in at the minute, they're moving up the value chain. So we've looked at a lot of the financial services um, targeting over the last few years. And if you go back even sort of five years, it was focused on consumer bank account usernames and passwords. So like for you and me and our home bank accounts, then it moved into commercial um, and corporate online banking and then up into um, some more of the sort of central banks. And if you kind of follow that to its logical conclusion, it'll probably continue going up the value chain of financial services into some of the sort of clearing houses um, where actually you get one group that's able to get into those networks and actually have a really significant impact in either being able to disrupt information flows that a lot of trading systems rely on or to conduct really huge frauds off the back of it. Um, and then the second thing which we've seen a lot of in the last 12 months is the erosion of trust in somewhere in the chain. So you've got outsourced um, bits of the supply chain like the IT managed service providers that we've, we've seen some groups target and actually getting to one of those then gives them access to all of the, the managed service provider customers. We have the software supply chain as we saw with NotPetya and the CCleaner attacks. And then even recently, we've seen some reporting on hardware uh, supply chain and that being targeted as well. Uh, obviously is a thing. Uh, I have my own views on how reliable the recent reporting is on uh, that specific issue. Though. Do you think the amount of breaches we're seeing in the media is driven by new regulation? For example, GDPR requires all users impacted by a breach to be notified. Do you think we'll see the airtime given to breaches increase in the future, partly due to regulation? Um, Yes, I think we will see the airtime given to breaches increase in the future. I think, interestingly, there was probably a, a bigger regulation gap than was anticipated back in May. Um, and um, I think we're probably seeing a bit of a cultural shift in sort of respect of privacy, respect of data. Um, what do you think, Chris? 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Like we're definitely going to see the amount of reportable incidents going up. Um, a lot of people are still, <coughs> excuse me, trying to figure out whether some of the breaches that might have started actually pre-GDPR coming in should be reported or not reported and kind of how they should be re reported. So there's still a little bit of a kind of people finding their way in this stuff. We're certainly seeing an impact on some of the managed detection and response services that we provide, where we're being asked now whenever um, clients find out about breaches or we tell them about a breach, to use some of the technology and the visibility that we have in clients to help them figure out in that first kind of 72-hour window precisely what has happened to try to reduce the time frame for the investigation so they can actually get some notifications out quicker. And definitely GDPR has certainly triggered a shift in attitudes towards data security and of course to breaches themselves and many clients might not realize that GDPR is um, of course also about the technical controls that you have in place. It's not just about what you do in the event you identify a breach um, sort of focus on the more strategic business decision making side but also the technical response side. Um, that's great. Um, we've certainly covered a lot today. Um, thanks both for joining us again. It was great talking to you about this. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to our series so you don't miss out on our future episodes. And if you have any questions about what we do here in cybersecurity, please reach out to our guests on LinkedIn or send me a message on Twitter at SecuritySwan. In our next episode, we'll be chatting about what we've termed as the basics of cybersecurity and why it's important to get them right.